0: Big Technology is launching a new premium edition with a new monthly podcast. We also take a look at the state of tech as the year draws to a close. And then we sort fact and fiction from AI and crypto. And maybe we throw in a little bit of Apple's big news coming up right after this.
1: The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. TIAA makes you a retirement promise. A promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash Promises Pay Off.
0: Welcome to Big Technology Podcast, a show for cool headed nuanced conversation of the tech world and beyond. We have a special double-feature episode today because we're running this both on the Big Technology feed and on the Tech Meme ride Home feed, which means that none other than Brian McCullough is joining us live. Welcome, Brian.
2: Hey, Alex. Uh, welcome, Tech Meme Right Home listeners, to another Weekend Bonus episode with our buddy Alex. I think you've been on like five or six times at this point. Um, so that sounds right. It's always a no, pleasure to talk, Brian. Yeah, no no intros needed uh, on my side. But given that um, this is news for your audience and uh, for mine, too, what is this new big technology premium thing, Alex?
0: Okay, thanks for teeing me up perfectly there. So (laughs) this is great. This is an opportunity for me to introduce it both to our listeners on Big Technology Podcast and to Tech Meme Right Home listeners. So um, Big Technology has been free for three years, and the free edition will remain uh, after this. But I'm introducing this new premium edition that's just going to give more of what we've been doing in, uh, in new forms and new formats with new features and even a new podcast. So um, I'll start with the podcast first because I feel like it's you know pretty exciting for podcast listeners. It's called Big Tech War Stories. It's going to run once a month for big technology premium subscribers, and it's going to be a conversation with people um, who are who have been in the weeds inside big tech companies and have either built a product that people love or one that was never released. And we're going to speak with them about what exactly happened. I think I have a clip from it that I can play here. This is with... So our first episode, which is going to be running next week, is with Gaurav Memade, who is the first product manager of, on Google's Lambda chatbot. What are some lessons learned from for Google, looking in the rearview mirror? Like, how, how should Google change?
1: They need to go back to the experimental route cycle.
0: Like, over the years, Google has become more and more conservative about doing things they care a lot about pr like public relations they care a lot about how their image is shown in the media and i feel that at least in my experience that plagued so many projects inside of google it was like the pr was always top of mind for leaders and on the other side like open ai like they don't give a shit about
1: pr or like for the most part they don't
0: So that's a bit of a clip of the news show um i'm stoked about it again coming next monday and then in addition to that with this premium edition we have this new thing called the panel which you're on which Mm -hmm. is we already have about 20 tech experts um we're talking about analysts vcs journalists and technologists that are going to weigh in on news as it's happening so let's say the silicon valley bank is in the middle of collapsing um i'm going to email the panel the panel all uh or, or well when it's relevant email one to two sentence replies about how to think about the news and we'll be able to contextualize it for readers. And then finally, we have a new Amazon column uh, coming from Christy Coulter, who's a recent guest of the show. She spent 11 years at Amazon and has like a really good insight into how the company works. So that's it, basically. Big technology premium. You can find it on bigtechnology.com and the launch special will still be going on. So that's 30% off the annual price, which is already a good amount off of the monthly price so you can get an annual subscription for $90. And that's it.
2: Two, two comments on this. Uh, first of all, thank you, Alex, for asking me to be involved in this panel thing. Uh, I actually saw Alex in person this weekend, and I was like, oh, you should have this person on the panel. You should have this person <laughs> on the panel. And everyone I said, uh, he was like, they're on. So <laughs> believe me when I say this is a blue ribbon panel, because everyone that I was suggesting to him... Um, They have already agreed to be on the panel. So that's that's great. Um, And then uh, number two, I have a suggestion for the podcast. Um, Years ago, I did an interview with one of the people on the team at Dig. If you know the history that like Dig was the big thing before Reddit, and they did a, a site redesign that destroyed Dig and Reddit came to the fore. So that would be a sort of behind-the-scenes story, if I can. Uh, I'll have to dig into my archives and see oh, who that, that person. Oh, that would be great. That would. That, yes. It, yes. It's a please. good story. Yes. Okay. That would be great. We'll see if we can make that happen.
0: Yeah, yeah. So just got it off the ground. We're recording on Tuesday. This show going live on my feed Wednesday, and then yours on the weekend. But this is this thing is fresh off, fresh and hot off the presses uh and i've I've been like thinking about the right formula for many years i want to be able to keep the free product for those who want but also offer more for people who are interested in a premium subscription something that can help them do their jobs better you know give themselves an edge in their career give their companies an edge against the competition i think that this sort of insight insight in terms of being able to read tech events as they happen and learn about how the best do it uh is the best possible offering and i'm really excited to roll it out today
2: Well, uh, everyone go check it out because, as you know, big technology is one of the best uh, sources out there for really in-depth sort of stuff in terms of analyzing uh, the tech landscape deeper than I can do in my uh, 15-minute show. However, and I'm going to grab the reins slightly because um, one of the reasons why I wanted to talk to you this week is because you are the big technology guy. And it's sort of that time of year when a young man's fancy turns to thoughts of, year-end recaps, Um, and so this is me teeing into our first topic, which is um, I wanted to ask you, seeing as how you follow closer than I do um, all of the big tech platforms, this year started out with tech in turmoil, with layoffs, um, with, you know, some people questioning you know, the business models of so, like, was Meta in trouble and stock down whatever percent it was or whatever? Um, I feel like it's not uh, that much in turmoil. So, uh, if you'll allow me to pose the question to you, but then we can go back and forth on this. Um, what happened to big tech this year? I feel like they've recovered. Is that, a, a, is that a, the correct sense or w- what happened?
0: I mean, they've definitely recovered. And, Mm. you know, you just have to look at meta stock price, right? Right. Up 150% over the year to know that all that doomsaying towards the end of last year uh, was misplaced and that these companies were always already, sorry, they were always going to respond to the demands of the market. And boy, did they do it. So what you had is Mark Zuckerberg, basically, you know, he came in flat footed, but then immediately realized that it was going to have to be a year of efficiency, as he put it right? Big cuts and a focus more on uh, inventing versus maintaining. And I think you've seen that Meta has done the cost cutting. It's very tough for them, right? They had to cut a large percentage of their staff, but it also changed the culture internally where they started, you know, started acting less like a big company and more like a company with some urgency. And you've seen that manifested with big moments where they've shipped, you know, their open source AI model, Llama, They've opened. They've shipped chat bots. This whole new uh, slew of purpose-built chatbots bots uh, that you can now get in WhatsApp and Messenger. Honestly, like you know, been among the biggest skeptics of what this metaverse thing was going to be for consumers. But I just got a chance to try the Oculus Three, uh, Quest Three, and I thought it was very impressive. It, it has great pass-through, so you basically can wear it, walk around, and see everything going on in the room with you, and it's not quite where it needs to be obviously it needs to be much thinner than what it looks like now as opposed to these big goggles but i mean is it getting there absolutely especially because apple's bringing it forward um and so so i think that like meta is emblematic of the type of movement you've seen through the entire big tech uh echelon where there's been you know cuts that they had to make and they've made them however painful they were and then innovation and i mean ai which we're going to talk about later has underpinned a lot of that.
2: So, uh, I attended a a meta event, uh, sometime in the summer, June or July. Um, and they were talking about all the AI stuff they were going to bring into their ads products and things like that, but they constantly made the point that like, we're still committed to the metaverse. Um, Mm -hmm. is it, is it just that maybe it's, they they still are committed and they're still spending money on it, but is it also a thing where it's like if we just don't shout it from the rooftops, that keeps Wall Street happy? Like, um, it's not like they're walking away from it or doing a mea culpa saying, "Well, that was a that was a cul de sac." Um, they're just not talking about the metaverse as you know forthrightly as they were say a year ago.
0: Absolutely, I mean, don't you think that when they said year of efficiency, I mean, mm-hmm. how much of Wall Street thought that meant? not investing, you know, billions of dollars into the metaverse every year, not losing billions of dollars. That's actually not what happened. They didn't cut spend at all. They, in fact, increased spend on the metaverse. I mean, they they are not taking their foot off the gas pedal there, and they've just tried to trim elsewhere within the company. Um, and not only that, their, their ad product has recovered nicely from Apple's uh, anti-tracking moves. So you put okay. it all together, and it is sort of it's almost just, you know, business as usual in a way that the strategy hasn't changed. Maybe they've added more AI into it, um, but they're just trying to do it in a way that's, again, a way, you know, a method of building with more urgency and a slightly, although not dramatically, less people.
2: Well, so that, I was going to ask, again, like you go on the like compound and friends, like you're closer to like the stock market end of this or whatever. Was it ever a case that like, in the early part of the year, were we're like, was EPS down for any of these companies? Were like, we're, were profits significantly hit and they've come back? Or was it more that they were being cautious in terms of like forecasting and also, so then when they do cuts to especially personnel, that looks better to the bottom line to Wall Street. What I'm asking is, were their businesses significantly hit? You just mentioned Meta's ad business recovering from the ATT thing. Were they hit and they've recovered, or is it just the vibe, which all of Wall Street is to a certain extent, where Wall Street likes the narrative better now?
0: Part of both. I mean, there was a real hit, especially with Apple's anti-tracking moves. We're talking about a $10 billion loss coming in, or a contraction of revenue coming in, and in particular because Apple didn't let them track uh, what was going on, and so uh, and when so for, for
2: Meta specifically, that has come back in the sense that, like, are we back to where we were before ATT?
0: Not a hundred percent, but there's two things that two things that have happened. One is that people have taken their money uh, and they've br- brought it to Snapchat and they've brought it to Twitter and they brought it elsewhere. And then you know, even though they weren't getting the same returns that they were on Facebook, they've just been like, oh, shucks, you know, the best place we have to put our money is Facebook. So they've actually like come back from that worldwide tour and be like, all right, Facebook, you know, take it. Then Facebook has built a lot of technical tools that have enabled these advertisers to start to get maybe not back to where they were, but to a point where they are pretty comfortable now spending money with this company. So you're at a point where you also had some pretty hard comps against COVID because people all, you know, every company that we're talking about in big tech just had massive uh, increases in revenue during COVID because they were basically the economy. So that tails off a little bit. But now, I mean, it's definitely evened out at this point, And everything is pointing up for these companies.
2: So if we have time, can I ask you for two other specific companies? We'll save uh, Google slash Alphabet for the AI conversation later. But you're talking about COVID times and cutting back um, the workforce. That's Amazon, right? Uh, Amazon was also dealing with the sort of the transition to a new regime, you know, Andy Jassy taking over. So uh, what's your take on Amazon's year this year?
0: I mean, in, in some ways, good. Uh, they really were slow on the AI front, but they positioned themselves a lot better with their big investment in Anthropic, right? Already 1.25 billion in Anthropic, potentially up to 4 billion investment in Anthropic, which is like this counterweight to open AI. So now they have a research house similar to the way that Microsoft has a research house. And while doing this, they've sort of, and Matt Wood was uh, this VP from AWS was on the show a few months back talking about this, where they've kind of created AWS as this clearinghouse for AI models. So no matter what model you want to build, they're not going to favor necessarily the ones that are developed within Amazon or the ones that are developed within Anthropic. They have access to the builders and they're like, all right, builders, like come use our tools and build. So... I think they're in good shape there. The one, you know, concern for Amazon is that AWS growth has really been slowing in a way that, you know, hmm. you see Google, Google, I mean, Google cloud, right. is not anywhere yeah, close, no. but it's starting to at least put, put up some formidable competition. And there's still a shine around Azure, Microsoft's cloud offering. And so you put it all together and at Amazon, you know, you're, you're, you're still dealing with the fallout of the pandemic, right? Because you overbuilt your infrastructure. You kind of are caught cloud. Uh, flat-footed on uh, AI, but you're starting to make up for that. And you came into this year and it was probably like an, oh my God, what are we going to do scenario? People talking about Jeff Bezos coming back. And now the ship seems to be riding there as well. And they're up about 40% on the year. So,
2: Um, One thing that I have been hearing, which might be related to the AWS thing, I don't know if you've been hearing this too, but the the idea that um, there are these new startups that have access to the Nvidia chips that are creating sort of um, sort of new cloud offerings. Um, I've been hearing from a lot of people that like this could provide the opening for people to get a wedge against the traditional because essentially running a um, sort of a, a cloud instance or a you know a, a set of racks for doing AI stuff, is different. You have to design it differently than how a traditional cloud service does. And so I think maybe that's some of the concerns around AWS is I've been hearing people say a bunch of these startups that now are getting multi-billion dollar valuations just because they have access to A100 chips. Um, If people get like, uh, sort of, um, acclimated to using these people to do their AI stuff well then it's easy to be like well here we'll add on this cloud thing or whatever anyway the point being this might be an opportunity for people to um, create uh, alternatives to AWS and the traditional cloud providers
0: right and don't you think it's a huge uh, opportunity for NVIDIA I sure. mean they are starting to license some of their computing well in the and same way isn't that Amazon uh, I is. mean
2: Today, they were talking about also getting to the GPUs, which is different. But NVIDIA is investing in all those, like Cohere, and what's the one yes. in Jersey or whatever? Right. Uh, or maybe that's the one in Jersey. Anyway, the point being is that, yes, all those ones that are having these multibillion-dollar valuations, you're seeing that the lead investor is NVIDIA. So, um, yeah. And NVIDIA... They're covering their bases. NVIDIA has an interest in uh, powering uh, cloud stuff. So, yeah. Exactly. Uh,
0: Don't you love the fact that like one of the more important companies in this space is in Jersey. It's like such a Jersey yes. thing. It's like, yes. yo, you need some
2: chips. Come on, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I love that company. Because I, I you know, I, I think I did it the story a couple months ago, they just had a bunch of um, GPUs left over because they were uh, uh, in, experimenting with crypto. And then all of a sudden, it's like, well, we're not doing crypto anymore. But we still have these and everyone's like, please, please give me give me. Um, there's, a, there's plenty of startups right now that are, are plowing that field, FYI, so. um, Right.
0: Maybe that's what web three was all along, where web Web one was uh, read, web two was write, and web three was stockpile NVIDIA chips and sell them for the (laughs) AI boom.
2: Hey, uh, I always say that the whole reason web two happened was because it was all of the infrastructure left over from web one, like all of the blow up of uh, global crossing and all those that left all the the dark fiber in the ground. Uh, Real quick, last one that I want to do here, um, yeah. a- Apple story this year is essentially just a global macro story that global growth slowed and they couldn't sell as many phones and that's it. Or is there any other larger story to the Apple story?
0: Yeah, there's like a few angles. So like, yes, growth slowed. Um, the number two thing is that people by and large upgraded everything they needed during the pandemic, right? So you had a two year, super, super, super cycle. Um, and then like people just don't need. Uh, to replace. So, and and by the way, like, and this is obvious at this point, but an Apple, you know, an, an iPhone 12 or 13 is fine for five years, really. Uh, if you had the 10, you needed the, the 15, but if you have something 12, 13, you can probably, I mean, there's not a massive difference. So the compelling event to upgrade is no longer there in the same way that it was. Um, and then, I mean, honestly, like there is some, some worry from China where you've... Mm. And this is something that has been overlooked, but I think is really important. We've talked about it in the show in the past where the Chinese government said, if you're in public service in China, no iPhones. And not only is that a decent-sized amount of the market there, but it's also a signal to people in China that says, hey, if you have national pride, don't use the iPhone. We make great phones here. You know, okay, we might be reading your data on them, but if you love China use a Huawei. And now Huawei is the number one phone in China. So there's a lot of different um, currents riding against Apple. The comps to to COVID definitely don't help, but we have like four straight quarters of revenue growth decline. we're going to talk about their new laptops and, you know, towards the end of the show, but, um, but geez, you know, not only they have revenue decline, but they have serious geopolitical risk. That's a rough spot to be in if you're Apple.
2: Indeed. And um, in terms of like, like we said, you know, maybe everyone recognizes that they don't need a new phone as often as every two years. You had uh, Google acknowledging that with the Pixel. What is their They're supporting out to eight years or something crazy like that now. But um,
0: yeah, it's a very long time.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Which uh, you would imagine that some people will have to match at some point, but we'll see. Um, OK, that's my that's my <laughs> trip around. Let me tell around, you, Brian. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, to me, the thing, the real big story. So first of all, like, I think we know that these tech companies are, they're in good shape. And you mentioned the compound and friends. I think one of the things that Josh Brown, uh, who is the co-host of that show, has talked about is that AI saved the market Mm. in 2023. I really think that's true. We're going to get into that in the next segment. But one thing that I, I think is super important to touch on um, is to me the underrated, unheralded story of the year, and listeners of big technology Podcast probably know how I feel about this because we've talked so much about it. Is that self-driving cars took a huge leap, mm. a tremendous leap, and are growing? Are they're they're finally at the point where the driving is good enough that they are, um, you know, able to operate functionally on large, large, large portions of cities, twenty-four-seven. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to have. Uh, Waymo CEO takidra Mawakana on next week on Big Technology Podcast. And one of the things listeners are going to hear in that conversation is that Waymo since 2021 has gone from 50 square miles of operation within Phoenix, which is already a decent amount of size, to more than 200 square miles in Phoenix. Not only that, operating in San Francisco, testing in LA, and, and we have crews testing on the freeways. So the speed and, and and success at which this wave is coming is is truly fascinating. And you know, while it's kind of interesting, like while we all talked about crypto, um, AI was quietly the biggest story in tech. And now, as maybe while we're all talking about AI, the rise of self driving is quietly the biggest story in tech.
2: To the degree, I mean, I know that obviously there's different ways to answer this, but um, I, I I agree that it's a big story in in terms of a technology that. We were promised, 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 and it, it kept not coming. And and I had the famous, uh, will we get self-driving by 2020, as everyone promised, and it never came true. Um, but is that a big tech story in the sense that, I mean, Waymo and Cruise could become big companies, but is that going to be... That's almost ancillary to tech in the same way that Uber, in a sense, is ancillary? Like, do you see what I'm saying? Like, is this when we tend to think of big tech in terms of like the platforms, it's like, well, Google can do X, Y, and Z, or why can't you also do a music service? Why can't you also do movies? And Mm -hmm. is, is, I know that Waymo comes out of Alphabet, but is this, if it's a success 10 years from now, is it a story of like, well, yes, um, I don't own a car anymore because I have a, a Waymo or a cruise subscription, but that's sort of, walled off from the larger tech story.
0: I think it's a great tech story. And I think that like we sometimes can judge the, Mm. the impact of tech in terms of the way that it rearranges our world. Right. Mm. And for, for better or worse, I think this is mostly a better situation. And, you know, despite the fact that everybody tags me when a cruise falls into a puddle Mm -hmm. of cement in San Francisco, which like not great, but come on. Um, you know, we, you know, anyway, we're going to talk about it more on Wednesday, about all these these headlines about the cruise hating a purse or someone being critically injured under a cruise. It turns out it was a human driver that slammed into them and they just mm. landed under the cruise. Mm-hmm. But, um, but I think that this could really reorient the way and not to get too deep into this because it's going to take a while and these promises have been made and, and delayed um mm-hmm. but it will reorient the way that our cities work it will change you know you know if you don't if nobody owns these cars and you're just hailing them then you right. don't really need space for parking i think it will create a much better world and and will probably be i mean i put it up there with iphone chatgpt and waymo cars the three most amazing experiences i've had with tech in my lifetime
2: you know um the other i don't know if you've been uh aware of this but um simultaneously to all of a sudden six months ago, oh, wait, there are way more, uh, self-driving cars out there than I anticipated. Um, are you aware that like the drone delivery thing is actually becoming a reality too? And it's not necessarily Amazon though. Apparently they've, they've made some more moves recently, but like the, the FAA has officially like given the okay for like real actual drone delivery for stuff in the U S and so like, I feel like that's another one where it was a promise for the last decade that has never come true. But while everyone is looking elsewhere, I feel like um, drones are suddenly becoming closer to being a reality, sort of like self-driving cars are.
0: That's pretty exciting. I'm pro drone. I like the idea. I mean, as long as you're not like flying your drone and looking into my window with the camera, like uh, I think that, we really benefit from the ability for drones to deliver things. I mean, it's also good. I'd imagine better for the environment than having a car drive around to do that. I think that drone uh, photography and footage is exceptional to watch. I've been, uh, when I was at Buzzfeed, I flew the drones and captured uh, some wild footage inside uh, some of the wildfire impacted areas in California. So um, I didn't realize it was, it was that close to being approved in terms of delivery, but they Are the, we the, the that first far official from seeing this stuff hit.
2: Yeah, no, this is what I'm saying is that the the two stories rhyme to me in the same way that like the promise was self-driving and then it never came, never came, and now all of a sudden like a, a switch has been flipped and that is that has been true. I think Walmart is whoever's doing it with Walmart, I don't have any of my notes in front of me, um, is is the furthest along. But even this week I saw movement from Amazon Air or whatever they call it um for them doing more than than they had been doing too so what if we look back on 2023 as the year that self-driving and drone delivery uh passed the threshold and started to get real
0: yeah definitely and it's interesting right because in the middle of this ai moment the thing that everybody looks at is that uh attention is all you need paper outside of google which is the transformer uh model and that was in 2017 And, you know, I mean, it it comes to a moment where there are these breakthroughs, they're quiet, and then people build on them. And the fact that these drivers have become generalizable and are able to apply the same stuff they know city to city, road to road is extremely underrated and I think extremely cool. So I know we're both in New York. It's going to take a while for this stuff to hit the streets in New York. Like, man, get a robot to drive on ice. It's not as easy. (laughs) I mean, humans can't do it either, but... um, but who knows? I'm now hopeful that we'll see the day
2: hmm yeah, um I'm more hopeful than i I was in 2020 when I declared my bet null and void because uh i couldn't I couldn't take a a a, a self-driving car into work or whatever but um, um, soon enough, why
0: do, can we take a quick break yeah. and then come back here and talk about AI, crypto, and apple on the other side of this please. All right. We're here on Big Technology Podcast with Brian McCullough of the Ride Home Podcast. We're also on the Ride Home Podcast. That's pretty cool. The tech Meme Ride Home Podcast, which is uh, which is awesome. A great daily update on what's going on in the tech world. And then also talking about premium edition of Big Technology. I'll throw out the URL one more, one more time. It's bigtechnology.com. If you go to the launch post, which is going to be the second uh, or first or second from the top, Big Technology is going paid with deeper coverage and new features. You can get a uh, $90 for the year subscription as opposed to our typical $15 a month or 120 for the year deal. All right, we'll be back right after this.
1: The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. In the last 100 years, we've seen financial markets swing, new currencies come and go, decades of savings lost in days, all showing that a retirement plan without a guarantee, quite simply, isn't enough. So more than a retirement plan,
2: CEOs, HR leaders, investors, and more. Be a part of the conversation that changes everything.
0: Subscribe to Redefining Work today. And we're back here on Big Technology Podcast with Brian McCullough, host of the Tech Meme Ride Home podcast, CEO of Ride Home Media. Uh, Brian let's talk about and and actually you know now we're going through your titles you're also a partner in the ride home fund thats which right. is focused all about uh wait is it the Ride home fund well, or there's there's a new, there this is, new fund that you came there on is a discussed? ride
2: home fund and then there's a ride mm-hmm. home AI fund um, right so there's two flavors <laughs> original flavor and AI flavor
0: so AI flavors so yeah let me just re so I you know obviously we've been we've been in a year of exceptional promise and Lots of questions now about AI, right? I think that people have, we'll talk about crypto in the next segment, but people have a little bit of uh, maybe uh, PTSD from the crypto movement where a lot of people said this could change at all, and it didn't change at all, uh, and or at least yet. And uh, they were like, okay, well, now we're hearing the same thing about artificial intelligence, and yeah, I can chat with ChatGPT, but is that really going to amount to a new web Let me read to you um, something from Tanya Dua's uh, newsletter on LinkedIn, and it's talking about whether AI has been overhyped. This is a quote that she puts in from uh, Matt Turk from uh, First Mark. You've started to see the cracks in the whole generative AI hype train in the past few months. It's a clear case of Amara's law where people have overestimated what a specific technology can do in the short term and underestimated what it can do in the long term. Brian, where do you stand on that?
2: Um, that we're over esti- we're underestimating what it can do in the long term. Uh, listen, any any technology wave, there's you know the, the the curve of you know trough of delusion. You know it, anything that gets hyped at first, the first couple years, um, there's a lot of things that will not work. Um, by the way, ChatGPT is not even a a year old yet, right? So, crazy. Like we're so we we've thought of this year as like the big AI year, but it's the equivalent of if I if you and I were having a conversation about e-commerce on the World Wide Web at the end of 1994, right? So this before Google or Amazon or anything. Like the reason that I say that in the long term we're underestimating it. I'm not even one of these people necessarily that believes true artificial intelligence like. Self-aware computers are, you know, maybe might not even be here in our lifetime. But the thing that I think that this represents is um, the true promise of computing. And that's why I say that this is underestimated. What I believe and the reason why I raised the fund to go after this stuff is I believe that what the simplest way to put it is what I think is being promised right now is the computer from Star Trek The Next Generation. Where, um, you know, all of computing has been about sort of abstracting away the complexity of making a computer work. There once was the command line, and you basically had to know how to code to make a computer work. Then came the GUI, and so now it's easier. You click on icons or whatever, but you still have file menus and pull-down menus. On Star Trek The Next Generation, Picard just says, you know, computer... Do X, Y, or Z, computer enhance, computer, you know, assess the the makeup of that star or whatever. And you don't have to know all of the things that go behind it to get the computer to work to you for you. When computers first came out after World War II, they called them electronic brains. Because again, we've always thought of robots and computing primally as humans in the same way, well, this is a this is a a tool that will do my work for me. I think that that, the fact that we have spent at least the last 50 years bringing computers into our lives, but they were still difficult tools that you had to master. If we can abstract away all of the things that are complex about computing and just say, computer, book me the flight. Computer, uh, respond to Alex and tell him I can record the show at two today instead of four. Like, then essentially, this is a different paradigm where we don't necessarily have to look at screens. I'm not saying it's all gonna be voice commanded or whatever, mm-hmm. but I think that we're underestimating the ability of the true promise of computing to be manifest within our lives, normal people's lives, within less than five years. This doesn't even get into how it could transform medicine, um, you know, change how different professions work and things like that. I think that we're underestimating the fact that the true promise of computing as a tool that normal people use and rely on in their everyday lives to make it better is it's here. It's now. It's, it's a paradigm shift that I've been waiting for my whole life.
0: And so let's talk about, I mean, he talks about how it's overestimated in the short term. Are we going to go through a year or two where like people are going to be like, where's the cream filling on this stuff? Like,
2: Yeah, 100%. Which is which is scary to be investing in in a space like that. Can
0: ask about that, yeah.
2: But also, at the same time, um, if if you gave me the choice of investing in a sort of greenfield, wide open, new, this is a new paradigm, I would take that all day long. Like, there are other, you know, investing in SaaS companies for the last decade, at least, has almost been a spreadsheet-like thing. Like, you see how, mm-hmm. much, how much users grow and like, sort of how the revenue grows. You can plot it on a graph and see like, okay, here's the valuation of this thing. <clears throat> it's more interesting to me to invest in a space where it's like, think of how crazy it was that the, the mobile phone came around and the things that got disrupted were taxis and, and hotel rentals. Right? Like, that's. there's no way that you can plot for that. Um, it, it's more interesting to me to invest in a space that is Greenfield. Having said that, uh, Chris and I started the fund uh, just at the beginning of the summer. By the way, it's still open. If anyone are, is interested in um, investing in the fund, uh, you can find out at ridehomefund.com. Um, our our thesis has been to go after the productization of stuff. So like, what what is the Airbnb or the Uber of this paradigm shift? Um, I would say by our definition, we've only made one of those types of investments. And all of the other investments right now have sort of been infrastructure plays, by which I mean, who is creating the scaffolding around what this new level of compute is? Um, We've kicked the tires on dozens and dozens of these products. You know, AI for architecture, AI for law or whatever. And they don't seem defensible. Um, And so I will tell you, if, if I'm being quite honest... Um, we haven't found the Airbnb of this moment yet. What we are investing in is, hey, if you're Ford or American Airlines and you're, you want to deploy a chatbot or a, a large language model, you've got to be able to do it safely. <laughs> or if you're on Wall Street, you've got to make sure that your proprietary data is here. So that's what I mean by infrastructure. There's a lot of plays mm. right now around allowing this moment to flourish and... Um, So, again, that's kind of like investing in 1994. Like, if you invested in in every website at the time, you might not have done well. But if you invested in the underlying tech, you might have done well. You did
0: great. Okay, so I have a question for you about that. Uh, What do you think about – and I'm writing about this this week. So, uh, for listeners, if you're a journalist, don't take this idea. But uh, what do you think about this emerging fight between Facebook and OpenAI? I mean, you have okay. OpenAI, super open. No, sorry, not, no, open in the name, pretty closed in the technology. Yes. You have Meta uh, pumping out these open source algorithms. By the way, like not signing on to any of these, we need to stop AI progress while OpenAI sure. seems to want to shut others out of it. Yes. And then you have OpenAI with this big, impressive, generalizable bot, ChatGPT, and you have Meta in this uh, moment with all these personalized, like, more more specific use case style bots um, that they're releasing. Talk talk me through this yes. fight. Like how and, and is it like it's kind of like an underrated conflict point between the so, two, don't you think?
2: Alex, if it's almost like you and I are more professional and more organized and we have thought about <laughs> because I thought of this as a topic, but we never we didn't coordinate on this, but I'm glad you brought it up because I have some serious thoughts on this. Here's All what right. you gotta understand. In a sense, open AI is already the incumbent. Okay. Because if if you think of these large language models as a new sort of, as I'm saying, computing paradigm, the the key behind them is the secret sauce of what the data is trained on, what the large language models are trained on, but also the key is is what they call like temperature. And basically, imagine you have to you, you, you train a large language model and you're like, well it's, it doesn't work that well, so turn this knob three points and turn and slide that dial 70% or whatever it's fine tuning okay that's the secret sauce for for making things work and and you can it's not just for accuracy but it's also for making it cheaper and 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 stuff like that okay so OpenAI in previous models they released what the models were trained on and like how the 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 inputs worked and how like i'm saying they fiddled with the knobs and the dials to to get the secret sauce they're not doing that anymore um and so the reason is, is essentially because they had the first big win on this, right? And so if you're a meta or someone coming from behind, OpenAI or ChatGPT is the the fastest um, product to uh, uh, become successful of all time. What hundred million users until Threads? Until I, I Threads, yeah, 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 I can't
0: yeah. count out Threads, uh, but uh, okay. I, well, who knows? Maybe they're both lost users but sorry go ahead
2: so what you have to understand is that anyone else now is like well there's a scenario where the biggest model will always win because it's the got the most data behind it it's the best trained, and so either everyone can just follow in openai's wake and be like ours is just as good it's sort of like a google versus uh, bing thing or they have to differentiate and not just in the market but in terms of developers so Meta does what Google always used to do, uh, which was open source anything that they did. Um, and the reason that they're doing that is there's a scenario where if you can let a thousand flowers bloom and a thousand different uh, uh, Chris and I I think talked about this on your show like the the AI varietals thing like if you mm-hmm. if you have a thousand different models and this one is trained slightly differently than that one, it gets different outputs like that's the the sort of way that you can differentiate. Meta or has has obviously an incentive to do that because um, OpenAI got ahead of them. You could argue that Google will have similar incentives, but one of the, I was at an AI conference two weeks ago and it was all discussion about open source and. The, the let me let me give you the negatives about open source first is people are concerned about, well, you know, you throw a large language model out there that anyone can get off of GitHub or hugging face or whatever. And then, you know, terrorists can use it to do bad things. Um, uh, people can use it to create misinformation or X, Y and Z. But the the sense is, is that the open source stuff is we're never going to be able to innovate and create the the Airbnb of this moment if the the actual models are behind this firewall of open ai and they don't tell you how it works because then all you're left with is a scenario where people can build businesses that are just thin wrappers based off of open ai apis okay so if people are excited about this moment and they want to grab hold of the the future of it they feel like they need they need it to be open source so that they can own the models okay And one of the things that I said to a lot of the startups that I talked to at this conference is you have to understand that not only does Meta want this to work that way, the VC class of which obviously I'm a part, wants it to work this way too, because that's, again, if you're the biggest VC firms in the world, your Sequoia's or or your Andreessen Horowitz's or whomever, even if they're already invested in OpenAI, they need an ecosystem to grow up around this stuff. Otherwise, again, OpenAI or just the biggest model wins. And so I said to a a lot of the startups that I met there is, I'm glad that everybody is um, exploring open source for this technology. But if you're being pushed to do it, keep in mind that the incentives by the people that are pushing you to do it are their own. Meta wants to unseat open AI. The VC class wants to create a bunch of startups Mm -hmm. that will be the next open AI. So I think that people are excited about open source being the the future of AI, but I would caution a lot of people to understand why a lot of people are shouting that right now.
0: Well, let's... Okay, so let's go then one level deeper. Why does Meta want to unseat open AI, in your opinion?
2: I mean... Everybody's going to want to in the sense that if you believe like I do that this is a this is a new compute paradigm in the sense of how you're going to interact with compute, that works for um, what does is, what is Meta do? Their social network, essentially. I mean, really, their business is selling ads, but you can throw AI into that. But so Meta needs to control the fact that what if five years from now, social networks are really... Maybe you don't talk to your friends as much as you talk to your favorite bot, that you've maybe created their personality, you've trained it on everything that you've got on your phone or your computer, and so it knows you, and so the bot becomes your friend. Or what if five years from now, social networking is all of our bots interacting with each other on social media or in VR or in AR? Meta does not want to be in a position where the only way they can do that with a high degree of of accuracy and efficacy is to have to ping somebody else's APIs. Because again, they'll be in mm-hmm. the, the position that they have been with, with like the iPhone and Android all these years is they don't own the platform that their f- service fundamentally sits on. That's why meta needs it. Um, but also uh, one of the things that I've said on my show is that, you know, meta is looking at what OpenAI is doing and is thinking, how did OpenAI create these products? They trained it on the internet. They trained it on, users content who has more user content than meta from their mm. family of apps there is a scenario where within two years meta has the best llm because it has access to more meta will shut off open ai's ability to be trained like you're already seeing reddit shut off uh open ai from training on on their content like who's in a better position to be the the, the the dethroner of open AI than meta is they've 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 got the PhDs they've got the science they've got the patents and they have the content that you can train this this next generation of right. technology on
0: I think there's any level of um, envy in terms of how Zuckerberg uh, feels about Sam Altman
2: Zuckerberg to my sense of him has envy for anybody that, I mean, Bill Gates had this too, anybody that's successful in a field that he thinks he could be successful in. Yeah. He's like, why not me? Um, But I also think that um, he's in a better position now because uh, you know, the, the, the phrases is is that the leaders often end up with a bunch of arrows in their back Um, because the two, the two companies that are best positioned in my mind to challenge open AI our meta and Google I mean Google created the technology that allows the current attention based uh, generative AI uh, transformer based AI to, to, to happen um, but F- Facebook has been had a decade of the best AI minds under under their roof as well and then like I said mm-hmm. they have the content that they can they can train this stuff on so um, if if someone's gonna dethrone if OpenAI is and also ran within three years, I bet it'll be Meta. my my money would be on meta that would dethrone them, and then maybe Google slash alphabet. Oh, interesting.
0: Yeah. Okay, great. So let's just do uh um let's go lightning round through our next two topics, crypto and Apple. Uh Apple's new new launch event. Uh one of the things that you wrote to me while we were talking discussing about what we are gonna talk is is whether crypto I mean, to me, it seems pretty obvious. I mean, crypto is is, is disgraced in many now, ways. Listen, Maybe there's going to be something emerged from the rubble. I have uh, to point
2: out that today on October 24th, Bitcoin just surged to $35,000 a coin. No. You didn't know that? Yes, no, because apparently um, everyone believes that the first Bitcoin ETF is is uh, about to be announced. Um, so yeah, for the f- Bitcoin hit high, the highest it's been um, in eighteen months. Um, now, Bit- you can make the argument that Bitcoin is almost a separate story than the larger crypto ecosystem. I don't know that Solana has come back to its highs of eighteen months ago or whatever or, or, or Ethereum, but um, so having said that, and so if we look like idiots, if you're listening to this three months from now, because crypto all of a sudden is $100,000 a coin or uh, Bitcoin is, um, what we're talking about is two years ago when we were on like the Twitter spaces and the clubhouse rooms or whatever, we were all talking about crypto and NFTs and all the Web3 goodness and stuff. And I think that you're alluding to the sense that I get as well, which is like the energy has gone out of that they're still the same people that are in the space i'm not saying they've evaporated but the overall energy well some of them are in jail that (laughs) that's true uh do you agree with me that you feel like that the energy or at least the chatter that was there around crypto um this year sort of dimmed like it we felt like it was starting to do at the beginning of the year
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, if you think about pandemic, like zero interest rate crypto versus now, like that was a fully inflated balloon. And this is a sad piece of bursted rubber.
2: Well, let me let me let me again caveat this by saying, if you think Alex and I are just talking about price, that's not what we're talking about. Because again, two years ago, three years ago, there were new ideas. And as much as people did and still do laugh at things like nfts or um you know fintech around like again the things that blew up and people went to jail for which is like all of these crypto lending things that were you know giving you 18 percent returns and turned out to be ponzi schemes or whatever but there was a period of time where there was this flowering of a ton of new ideas um and i don't see like a new idea around lending or um you know um uh, putting putting your uh mortgage on the on the blockchain and stuff like that like there was a time when yeah. that was every day and like i don't hear that now maybe i'm not listening in the right spaces um well, that's because
0: people like their houses and they don't want to lose them <laughs> sorry i don't know i feel i, I guess I, I'm, I'm just getting out of these sbf uh trial mm. uh hearings and i'm feeling salty
2: yes <laughs> so. well all right i i get it um and 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 one of the things is is that um, the the people that used to yell at me on my show when I would do two stories or three stories of crypto in a day, and they're like, "What is this? The crypto ride home?" And I was like, "Listen, <laughs> the, the, it was for a time the biggest story in tech. No doubt,
0: absolutely. Um, yeah. And I mean, I,
2: I can go entire weeks without mentioning a crypto story now. So to the degree that mm-hmm. that Alex or I are a barometer of this sort of stuff for the broader tech thing, I I think that yeah. Right now, it's a it's another lull. I mean, maybe it'll come back. Uh, yeah. for all we know. I right don't know.
0: discount the the idea that blockchain technology might end up being. I mean, it is being used in many different places, and there's going to be some innovation that comes out of it. But whether it reinvents the web uh, or reinvents the way that we do things, it seems questionable at best. Okay, last last story. Apple just announced, or if you're listening on Saturday earlier this week, announced. They have a new event happening Halloween Eve called Scary Fast, and the idea is that they're going to announce uh new Macs and um Mac has been one of those products that have been troubled for them. I'm curious do you speaking of things that used to be exciting and now are seemingly not, do you think there's going to be any buzz at all? I mean, it's interesting okay. that they're even announcing it's like seven days before before this event well, happens
2: also it's interesting they've we uh, i i you know work with the editors at techmeme and we were trying to look i they've never done the, the events at 5 p.m. on monday they usually do tuesday events they never do events in the evening that we can we couldn't find at least in the history of techmeme when they had done a, a 5 p.m. eastern time at night event um and then you're saying max what we've been speculating in the slack is is scary fast means that we think that they're it's gonna be about the M3 chip. Mm. Because if you think about it, even if they were just gonna upgrade, even if they were gonna upgrade the the Mac Pro line or whatever, and the rumors initially were oh they're gonna upgrade the iMac line cuz the iMac line uh as it exists right now is two and a half years old, I think. They could do that just by doing a press release and like, you know, uh updating the store. The fact that they're doing a special event at a special time and it's called Scary Fast says to me that they are excited to tell us about the M3 and they must have something that they think is significant to tell us about how those chips perform. Now, they'll probably also announce putting them into new Max as well, but I think that what we're going to see, and this is claim shouter for, you know, <laughs> if you listen to this after Monday, I think it's, it's all about the M3.
0: Well, I would be stoked for that. I mean, even though that the juice has come out of these events a little bit, I'm on like a five-year-old desktop at this point and having that compared to the Apple, uh, the MacBook Pro with the M2 chip, it's just, it feels so slow. Like I have a great setup with the desktop and I just find myself wanting to work on the laptop all the time. So I don't know, man, if this is what's coming down, then I guess sign me up for these new machines. M3, here we go, baby.
2: I'm going to, I'm going to quote from our resident Mac expert inside the tech meme Slack. I won't name him. However, um, Uh, I don't think they'd have a weird event time like this if there were just big chassis form factor changes. It also feels weird if it's just M3 refreshes across the board. So I really don't know what to expect, but something tells me either it's something bigger than those two things or those two things combined will be bigger than what we're all expecting.
0: Scare me, Tim Cook. (laughs) Scare me. I'm ready for it. All right, Brian, thank you so much for the time. This was great. Always great to speak with you.
2: Thank you, Alex, and um, congratulations on Big Technology Premium. Everyone, go check it out. Um, if you want to see my uh, immediate takes on the big news uh, in the in the roundtable, um, you got to subscribe to Big Technology Premium.
0: Yeah, thanks again for being a part of the panel. Again, it's BigTechnology.com. You can get it there. Thirty percent off, no twenty-five percent off for our launch special. It's a great deal. I hope you go check it out. And uh, and if you're not on the free list, then try the free list and see if you want to upgrade. Again, we'll have a story about this meta open AI fight up there on Friday. So um, also one last thing to our listeners. If you don't subscribe to Tech Meme right home now, uh, I recommend it. It's a great listen. Gets you up to date on everything going on in the tech world every day. Hosted by none other than Brian. So Me, highly recommend
2: Thank, thank you, Alex.
0: All right, everybody, thanks so much for listening. Thank you, Big Technology listeners. Thank you, Tech Meme Right Home listeners. Thank you, LinkedIn, for having me as part of your podcast network. Thanks to everybody who's willing to go give this Big Technology Premium a try. And uh, and uh, again, it's a pleasure bringing you this show. Stay tuned. Friday, John Roy will be on. We're going to talk about the latest in tech, especially tech earnings this week, big week of earnings. I'm preparing to go on CNBC to talk about Amazon and others on Thursday, so we'll break that down. And then next Wednesday, an interview with Takidra Mawakana, the co-CEO of Waymo, more self-driving car talk. Um, Plenty of new details. Really fun conversation. Hope you stay tuned for that. And we will see you next time on Big Technology Podcast.